0: Hey guys, Warren Sharp here, and I want to drop an outstanding deal right into your lap, and that is 30% off anything at the website with the coupon code GET 30 GET30. And it's a huge week for us this week because this is the first week heading into week three that we release NFL computer totals. These things went 23 and 5 last year, 61.8% lifetime over 15 years of doing this this is what we started the website for. Rich's fantasy analysis and worksheet is absolutely unparalleled. And you get that too if you purchase the all access package. I highly recommend you run over to the website right now. Take advantage of this 30% off deal because it will end Sunday. Use the coupon code GET30, 30% off anything. Lots of betting picks already released right now, including multiple Computer totals, and we're going to be dropping these things every week from here on out the rest of the season.
1: Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McCrystal. Time to dive into some player props for week three of the NFL season. But before we do, let's take a look back at last week, like I usually like to do at the beginning of the pod. Just take a look back at at least one of our props from the previous week and see where either we went right or where we went wrong. Uh, And what that tells for us going forward, whether it's a trend that we should continue to try to take advantage of. And this week, I want to look back at Saquon Barkley. Uh, Took the under last week on Barkley's rushing yards, and it was a winner, although just barely because he did um, pad his stats a little bit in the second half of that game. It was looking great at halftime, but then he did uh, put up some decent numbers in the second half. But the under was still a winner. And if you remember, the reason why I gave out the under on that was because his big game in week one really happened on two big carries he had two carries and picked up 101 yards on those two carries both of those occurred because he went over 10 yards without contact on those plays and to pick up that much yardage without contact it's mostly on the defense that's usually the case as i said last week you have to have the skill to take advantage of that and barkley obviously does he'll make you pay if you make a big mistake like that but it's not something that we can count on week after week because it's really a defensive statistic when you give up that much untouched yardage. On his other 16 carries in week one, he averaged 3.9 yards per attempt and 0.9 yards before contact per attempt. So he was not consistently generating a lot. He was The offensive line mostly was not consistently giving him a lot of room to run. And so going up against a slightly better defense, I thought in week two against Carolina, I thought this is a good opportunity to bet the under because he's not going to get those big open running lanes. And sure enough, he had good volume, 21 carries, but only picked up 72 yards. So the under, the under was a winner for us, uh, averaging 3.4 yards per attempt. Really important stat here. He was contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage on 62% of his carries last week. That's awful. On the season now, he's been contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage on 54% of his carries, one of the worst rates. You're not going to be successful if you're consistently meeting contact before you cross the line of scrimmage. It's just, I mean, other than like Derrick Henry, (laughs) Derrick Henry has uh, throughout the course of his career consistently been hit at or near the line of scrimmage and continues to produce. But unless you're that type of runner, I mean, that's, that's so rare. And Barkley's talented, but he doesn't have that type of skill set. So if the offensive line is consistently getting beat and he's consistently being contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage, he's he's not going to put up huge numbers on a regular basis. He's going to be dependent on the defense making mistakes and giving him those long runs. And you know, this is what I, I, if you listen to the preseason podcast, where I gave out some running back season long props, I talked about this. This is, I mean, it's really, it's really three things. It's the offensive line is struggling to create running lanes for him. Barkley is an indecisive runner. He needs a big gap to, in order for him to be decisive. He's, he's going to take advantage of it when the defense makes a mistake because he's explosive, but he's indecisive, and so he doesn't create a lot purely for himself when the offensive line doesn't give him an immediate gap to run through. And then teams don't really respect their passing game. That's obviously a factor here too. Uh, when teams feel that they can stack the box, they're obviously going to do so, and that's just making it even harder. So really, all three aspects here are working against Barkley so I I think that this is a trend that we should uh, pay attention to and when we think that they're going up against a defense it's going to make it extra hard uh, for him to create to get open running lanes you know I might continue to play the under now I'm probably not going to this week against the Cowboys not exactly sure what I think about the Cowboys run defense through two games they're allowing three or more yards before contact the fifth highest rate Uh, So I'm a little hesitant. Maybe this is a defense that makes some few mistakes and Barkley breaks off a couple longer runs. So I'll probably stay away from it this week. But I'm certainly going to monitor what the matchup looks like uh, from week to week because this could be something that, especially early in the season when that week one is still on people's minds, this could be a trend that we can maybe take advantage of and bet the under again a couple times uh, before maybe the lines adjust and we choose to stay away more in the future. All right, let's dive into some of this week's player props that I like. Um, and as I've, I've said in the past, we're usually recording this before a lot of lines have been posted. So I'll try to give you a number where I think it's going to be and what I would do based on that number. But obviously check the lines, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes especially early in the season, it's harder to predict what we're actually going to get. So let's start off with the over on Matt Ryan's interceptions. Now, this has been available at 0.5 in each of the first two weeks with some pretty good plus money. Uh, on the over. Now he's thrown an interception in both of those games. So I would expect that it'll still be available at 0.5, but maybe, uh, maybe the juice is adjusted a little bit, but I'm still going to like the over in this. Um, As I said, he's thrown an interception in each of his first two games. The Colts passing game has not looked good. They have the chiefs this week. Now they're going to try to run the ball. Obviously like most teams would prefer to do against the chiefs, run the ball, control the clock, keep the ball out of Mahomes hands. Uh, but we don't really think this is going to be a close game. The Chiefs are favored by six and a half. Um, Assuming the Chiefs jump out to lead, they're just going to be forced to abandon the run at some point and throw the ball. So I would assume Matt Ryan has a pretty decent passing volume in this game. Uh, So obviously, you know, that increases the chances of an interception alone. And then the Chiefs defense. Now they only have one interception through two games, but one stat really did jump out at me that when quarterbacks have thrown the ball at least 10 yards downfield against the Chiefs this year, they have a league-leading rate of 33% making a play on the ball. So one out of every three passes, 10 or more yards downfield, Chiefs defense has made a play on the ball. They've only turned one of those into an interception so far, but this looks like an opportunistic defense that's going to do a nice job making plays on the ball. There's a little bit of luck in terms of whether that actually turns into an interception, but If you're consistently around the ball when it's in the air, those are the teams that over the course of the season tend to end up with a lot of picks. So I think this is an opportunistic chiefs defense. Think Matt Ryan is going to have an elevated pass volume with the Colts likely playing from behind for most of this game. So I like the over on his interceptions, assuming it's available at 0.5. All right, let's stick with the quarterbacks. We'll go position by position with the props this week. Um, And, I'm on the under and Tua a tongue is passing yards against the Buffalo bills. And this is partially a case of just fading a player after the big game. Usually if you're going to bet on a player who's coming off a huge game, like two ahead last week, the only way to play it is on the opposite side of that bet on it being in un- the under, because the, uh, the line is probably going to shift a little bit based on that one big game and a game, a big game of that magnitude, there's a little bit of flukiness in that, right? Like to throw for that many over 400 yards and six touchdowns. Like that's, there's a little bit of randomness when you put up those huge numbers to that extent. Um, so the line is probably unfairly shifting in that direction. So I, th- I think the under is the only way to play this, but I do like uh, the under so long as the line is available around 250. I think it was at 250 or higher. I'm going to be on the under in this one. Um, it, as I said, it's partially about just fading him after, uh, an unreasonable performance. Like he's not going to go out and do that week after week, especially against the bills defense. Uh, but I also think that this is a matchup that might be a little bit slower paced than you might anticipate. Uh, both the bills and dolphins have actually played fairly slow this season. When the game is within one score, the bills rank 23rd in pace of play, the Dolphins ranked 30th in pace of play. So if this is a relatively close game, I think we should expect both teams to actually be a little bit slower than you might expect. Now, the Dolphins' slow pace, this was expected with Mike McDaniels coming over from San Francisco. The Shanahan offense is fairly slow. San Francisco ranked 26th in pace of play in a one-score game last year, so it's not surprising to see the Dolphins among the slower teams in a close game. The Bills, it's a little bit surprising because they ranked 4th last year in pace of play in a one-score game. Um, But I mentioned a couple times this year already that – kind of expecting this offense to be a little bit more conservative with Ken Dorsey taking over from Brian Dable, maybe a little bit just Dorsey adjusting, maybe a little bit of Sean McDermott um, influencing the game plan uh, during the week with, you know, we know McDermott is a little bit more conservative minded. um, And so he may want to continue being a little bit more conservative with a first time play caller out there. Now, to be fair, they've been a little bit more pass heavy this season than I expected um, but the fact they're playing at a slower pace that could certainly be uh, a sign that I was at least partially right to expect them to be a little bit more conservative without Dable this season so fading Tua after the big game plus the fact that this could be a close maybe slower paced game and some people are expecting I like the under on Tua's passing yards, so long as we see this line posted at 250 or higher all right one last quarterback prop for this week I'm on the over on davis mills's pass attempts against the chicago bears so long as we have this line at 33 or lower uh this is basically just a reaction to the uh the texans play calling so far this year they have a new offensive coordinator pep hamilton who's taken over for tim kelly who called plays under david david cully last year um And he was probably in over his head a little bit. That was a little bit of a dysfunctional offense, Uh, despite Mills actually having uh, a better rookie season than expected. um, The the play calling was a little disjointed at times last year. And it seems like Pep Hamilton is doing a much, uh, has a better game plan for them and has a really aggressive game plan. Uh, He's really putting it all on Mills' shoulders and backing away from the run game, which is good to see. Um, they have a 60% early down pass rate so far this season. That's among the highest rates in the league. And in the first quarter of games, they actually have the league's highest early down pass rate. So it seems like they are they want to come out of the gate throwing the ball a lot and that, you know, they'll let the game script dictate where it goes from there. Obviously, they were leading uh, for quite a while in the Colts games, which you know tamped down their pass rate a little bit, I would assume. But based on how they're coming out of the gate in each of these first two games, throwing the ball at a really high rate on early downs, it seems like they want to put the game on Davis Mill's shoulder and throw the ball out. He's been at 37 and 38 attempts in each of the first two games. This line is uh, probably going to be in the low 30s, as I said. As long as it's you know 33 or lower, I'm going to be on the over. Now, they're playing the Bears, who play slow run the ball a lot um and it's also possible based on how bad the bears have looked so far maybe the texans uh build a lead but you know the texans uh, i'm not sh- sure i trust them to build and maintain a lead in a game even though they've looked a little bit better than expected so far this season um i i still think they're probably going to come out of the gate throwing a lot And I don't think they're going to build enough of a lead against the Bears where they're going to really be able to back off the passing game in the second half. So I like the over on Davis Mills pass attempts in this game at 33 attempts or lower. All right, let's move on to a running back prop now. I like the over on Miles Sanders' rushing yards, which is, I should say, I think I like the over. I'm not exactly sure where this line is going to be. Um, The line has shifted up from week one to week two. It was at 58 and a half last week hit the over both weeks um he has a good matchup against washington this week so i don't know how high this line is going to climb i'm going to take the over anywhere up to 70 yards though because i think this is a really great matchup for him and i I think we'll be able to get the number there that's a 70 yards would be a pretty big leap from where it was in the high 50s last week so I, i think we'll be able to get this prop at a number i like um it's it's really based a lot on Washington. The matchup of Washington's front seven versus the Eagles' offensive line. I think this is a big mismatch, uh, based on what we've seen from Washington through the first two weeks. Based on adjusted rushing yards before contact, Washington's run defense ranks dead last, allowing two point two yards before contact per attempt to running backs. Now, if you watched, um, if you watched their, their matchup against the Lions. DeAndre Swift had one really long run where he was untouched. So you might be thinking maybe this number is a little bit skewed based on small sample size. That's why I'm referencing adjusted rushing yards before contact, because that caps the yardage at 10 yards. So yes, they did have that one really long run where Swift was untouched for like 40 yards or something like that, but we're capping that at 10 yards. So we're limiting the effect that one big play can have on the data here. So, they're getting gashed at the line of scrimmage. Opposing offensive lines are are dominating the line of scrimmage against them. I think Sanders should have a significant running room. Also, you know, a similar stat, but really to drive home this point. The Washington defense is allowing at least three yards before contact on 34% of carries. So basically one out of every three carries, they're getting blown up with the line of scrimmage and giving significant running room. Sanders is certainly going to take advantage of that, especially running behind one of the league's best offensive lines. I think the Eagles are certainly capable of taking full advantage of this, giving Sanders plenty of room to run. And, you know, if he's consistently getting three or more yards before contact, the odds of him breaking one or two longer runs, as Swift did, the odds go up a lot. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a huge workload for Sanders to hit the over because the odds of him having some long runs in this game Uh, pretty significant given the rate at which Washington is giving up untouched yardage. So obviously there's a little bit of a risk here in the fact that the Eagles could certainly jump out to a big early lead and Sanders second half workload could be diminished. Um, But I'm I'm still okay betting the over up to 70 yards because of the increased probability that he breaks off a long run or two against this Washington front seven. Let's move on now to some wide receiver props and I'm going to maybe surprise you a little bit with one but I'm on the over on Darnell Mooney's receiving yards now if you have Darnell Mooney on your fantasy team this year you're probably uh, laughing at me for suggesting this he has two catches for four yards this season he's been a complete non-factor in both of the Bears games Um, but there's a couple a couple reasons why I like this first of all he is clearly their number one wide receiver. He's run a route at 38 of Justin Fields' 40 dropbacks this season. No other Bears receiver is over 29 routes. So he's the guy that they're still putting out there on the field with Fields on every play. He is when Fields elevates his passing volume, which it's got to happen at some point, <laughs> I would think, uh Mooney is going to be the guy who benefits the most from that. Now he also has a great matchup this week in Derek Stingley. And if you listen to last week's podcast, you heard me suggest that we should be on the over on uh, at least one of the Broncos wide receivers. And I suggested Cortland Sutton uh, as the likely beneficiary based on the fact that he would be lining up on the outside a lot. Uh, Sutton had 122 yards in the game. And through the first two weeks, we've seen both Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson target Stingley all day long. Last week, it was a lot of Sutton, them, them, trying to get Sutton matched up with Stingley in week one. I mentioned Matt Ryan targeted six different receivers when they were lined up against Derek Stingley. So he was spreading it out a little bit more, but making a concerted effort to go after the rookie. Uh, This makes perfect sense because if you remember some of the talk around Stingley in the draft process, he was absolutely spectacular as a freshman at LSU in 2019. And then he was really kind of ineffective and injured a lot over his final two seasons. Uh, and so his draft status was really based on the elite talent that we saw early in his career, but he's coming off two mediocre years at LSU, and so it makes total sense that opposing offensive coordinators and quarterbacks, first of all, they always want to target rookies. Rookies always see an elevated uh, rookie cornerbacks always see an elevated target share early in the season when they're just trying to figure them out, see if this guy's ready or not. But especially with Stingley, because he's being thrown into the fire after not really looking like he was ready for it towards the end of his career at LSU. So we've seen Ryan and we've seen Wilson go after him. Now those are two veteran quarterbacks. Maybe it's a little easier for them to identify that matchup and pick on someone. But if I'm the bears offensive coaching staff this week, seeing the performance that Stingley's had so far this year, I am making a concerted effort to design a game plan that's going to put the put uh Mooney matched up against Stingley on a consistent basis and give him opportunities. Now this line is already up. It's at 45 and a half yards. I was hoping it would go a little bit lower. It was around 50 yards in each of the first two weeks. I was hoping those, those poor performances might even drop it into the thirties since it's available at 45 and a half yards. I'm still on the over if it stays at this number, but I'm probably going to wait because based on how bad Mooney has looked through the first two weeks, I'm thinking most people, if they're betting this line at all, are probably betting the under. So maybe we get it to drop a couple yards before game day. So I'll, I'm if it stays at 45, I'm taking the over, but I'm just going to wait until game day to see what happens. I, I think that uh, if people are betting this line, they're probably not on the same side as us. So I'll wait to see if we get a little line movement before taking the over on Darryl, Darnell Mooney's receiving yards. All right, another wide receiver prop that I like this week is the over on Brandon Ayuk's receptions. This has a lot to do with the quarterback change. Um, this number was available at 3.5 in each of the first two weeks. Assuming it stays there, I'm on the over. If it jumps to 4.5, at that point, I would lean over, but it's probably a stay away for me. But at 3.5, if it stays at th- if it stays there, I'm taking the over. Um, if you remember last year, Iok had a little bit of a slow start. He wasn't a big part of the offense early in the season, but he kind of gradually ramped up before being a real difference maker for them uh, down the stretch run from week eight through the end of the season. He was Garoppolo's most targeted receiver in games in which both he and Debo Samuel played. Samuel did miss a game in that stretch, but if we, even if we throw out that that game, uh, Aiyuk saw more targets from Garoppolo. And when Garoppolo took over last week, they picked up right where they left off. He saw seven targets in that game from Garoppolo. Um, so, you know, there's not much to this. Uh, other than that, I think Garoppolo seems to have a real connection with him. I think that they really got on the same page. Was really encouraged by the fact that Garoppolo went after him a lot. Uh, when he came into the game last week, it seems like he is really comfortable. The fact that he's you know, now taking over uh, after playing the role of backup uh, through the offseason, it makes sense that he would... you know. Be more inclined to target the guy that he already has a strong connection with. So I think there's a good chance I would an elevated target share this week. So as long as his receptions line is available at three and a half or lower, I'm going to be on the over. All right. As always, I like to close the pod by giving you a Thursday night prop this week. I've got one for you and it's the under on Najee Harris's rushing yards. It's available at 55 and a half um uh, going up against the browns on Thursday night and this is really just about a, what appears to be a pretty good cleveland front seven meeting a terrible steelers offensive line and i don't think they're going to be able to run the ball the browns so far this year are allowing 0.5 yards before contact per rush attempt the steelers offensive line is generating 0.4 yards before contact per rush attempt and at least in the case of the Steelers, this is definitely not a case of small sample size through two weeks, because they ranked 30th in this stat a season ago. We know the Steelers' offensive line is bad. Now the Browns' front seven—they—they they were not this good last year at limiting yards before contact. They were more in the middle of the pack, um, but we certainly have reason to believe, based on last year and based on their performance against the Panthers and Jets, that their ability to stop the run and limit free yardage at the line of scrimmage is average if not better than that so going up against a terrible Steelers offensive line I don't see any reason to think the Steelers are going to have consistent success running the ball but also from a game planning standpoint as the Steelers are approaching this game if you look at what the Panthers and Jets did to the Browns last week Neither offense got rolling until late in the game when they had to abandon the run completely, and then all of a sudden they were moving the ball at will against the Browns' defense. So seeing that, knowing you have a terrible offensive line, your run game has been miserable through the first two games, why not just start the game there? Let's come out with a pass-heavy attack and see if this Cleveland's pass defense is really as bad as it's looked in the fourth quarter of the past two weeks. That's what I would do. I, I mean, the Steelers... They have been a very pass-heavy offense at times in the past. I, I, they, it seemed like they should self-evaluate a little bit and realize that they can't run the ball and also look at Cleveland and say, this team is potentially really vulnerable to a passing, an aggressive passing attack based on what we've seen in the fourth quarter of the past two weeks. I mean, Baker Mayfield and Joe Flacco picked them apart in the fourth quarter two weeks in a row, so I don't see why they wouldn't have confidence uh, in letting Mitch Trubisky try to do that as well. You might as well because you're not going to be able to run the ball if they if they tr- come out with a run heavy uh, game plan. Yeah, I would I would feel pretty good about Cleveland. Uh, I'm not going to bet Cleveland against the spread. They're favored by five and a half. I'm not going to bet Cleveland uh, because I do have questions about that pass defense. And if the Steelers come out, if they you know make that adjustment, like I think they should, if they come out with a really pass heavy game plan you know, maybe this is a real weakness of Cleveland that they could exploit and potentially pull off the upset. So either way, whether they stubbornly try to run the ball or whether they just abandon the run right out of the gates, I like the under on Najee Harris's rushing yards on Thursday night against the Browns. That's it for this week's show. Hope you have a fun and profitable week three.